0: 705 on CJAD. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. How are you, Josh? Excellent. Thank you. Great. And uh, today we're talking about a growing industry, and that is healthcare. Uh, Danielle Polak and Daniel Marks join us from Equinox Life Care at Danielle. And Daniel, uh, Welcome. (sighs)
1: Hello. And, and of course, we Too have many Dan's in the room. Delmar. There's yeah. three Dan's. Three <laughs> Dan's, no waiting.
0: We'll try. We'll try to keep everything uh, straight here. But uh, d- uh, let's begin with uh, with Danielle and Daniel, and uh, ask you first, what is Equinox Life Care?
2: Equinox Life Care is a company that provides a variety of different healthcare services, uh, patient centered on a case management model, which means that we meet people where they're at. We work with them in terms of their needs. And it came out of a, um, um many, many years ago, I was teaching in a gerontology program and I realized there was a real lack of personal and uh, personalized services in healthcare in Montreal. There were the public services and there were some private services, but people had very little support at home that was directly tailored to them. And at the time I was quite uh, involved in palliative care. And the philosophy of palliative care is providing comfort, and comfort means personal services. So, so when, you, when you say
1: personal services, Danny, kind of what type of services would it be? Like exactly is, and you know, is it corporate? Is it personal? Is it, uh, you know, can anybody kind of subscribe?
2: Anybody can subscribe. Uh, right now, some of our services are paid directly by the CLSCs, especially in comfort care and palliative care. But essentially, we try to match people with, uh, well, assess people's needs, and provide the services that they require. So some people would require personal care, uh, hands-on care. Some people provide need
3: transportation. Um, so th- there are there are services like post-operative care. So if someone has a hip surgery, um, we can provide uh, a nurse or a physiotherapists to help them rehabilitate. There are services like Alzheimer's care or chronic disease management, and then all the way to palliative care. And in addition to that, um, we have what's called a nurse triage service, which is a call center that has uh, healthcare professionals and nurses that can answer health inquiries from employee assistance programs. Uh, And then there's an element of technology that we infuse in both areas of the business to increase well. I mean, increase efficiency, but also make the experience for the patient better and make the experience for the healthcare provider better as well.
1: It sounds like there's really a wide variety of services, but at the beginning, at the outset, <laughs> you know, I, it probably wasn't everything. So, so Danielle, uh, Danny, yeah. uh, Danny. Danny, perfect. We got Danny, yeah. Daniel, <laughs> and Dan, only one Josh, thank goodness. So let Right at the beginning, because you mentioned, you touched on it briefly, how or why you got into this. Right. kind of Maybe you can give us a little bit of that brief history and, you know, who you were working with and and how you kind of got into this business.
2: Well, it started very slowly, as most businesses do. Um, I I teamed up with a nurse, Maureen Fitzgerald, and we were both very interested in providing this type of palliative, uh, personalized palliative care. And when you start any business, it takes a long time to be known and a long time to really get going. Um, and we worked on, on trying, trying to provide these personalized services. And unfortunately for a, a year, we didn't make any money. So Maureen moved on and I stayed and, um, tried to develop. It was very hard to develop organically at that point. And I was very lucky. I had uh, two very wonderful friends who, Backed me when I bought a small agency. Uh, it was a healthcare agency run by a nurse who was retiring, um, and I didn't know what I was getting into, yeah. as uh, often happens when you go into a new business. Um, so it was an agency that had about 40 personal care workers, and we moved in, and I tried to introduce this case management model.
1: Was the was the process in buying that agency? difficult or time-consuming or I'm sure it was a big learning experience
2: it was a very big learning experience actually the owner said to me that uh, she would stay on for a year because she felt it would take me a year to really understand and after three weeks she came to me and she said you know what I'm out of (laughs) here you run it the way you want (laughs)
1: not not exactly part of the deal that you were no she was very very
2: nice but it was her baby and she saw somebody coming in taking over and 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 introducing new ideas. And I think it was just very difficult for her. So in buying a new business, not only are you, is there a long learning curve, mm-hmm. but you have to be sensitive to uh, what's what's been there before and the person who's been there before.
1: There was an instant change of management and ownership. Yes. Was it difficult to gain the respect of the employees there at the time? Yes. How did you overcome that?
2: Um, it was difficult. Um, in fact, one person had been a secretary there and she stayed for about six months and came to me and she said, you know what, I just, I just don't like the way you run this company. Yeah. And she left. But having said that, um, the people that I employed then are still with me today. One is retired, but the rest of them are, are with me today. So it's a pretty good track record. I think
1: <laughs> the actual, the actual purchase mm. of the business. Yes that you know I'm kind of interested in and I know a lot of our listeners you know they the entrepreneurs that don't start from scratch but that want you know found this business and somebody's gonna move on and buy it can you maybe give us a little bit of insight and you know with how how was it from a you know a legal standpoint were there a lot of little tricks and and pitfalls that you kind of had to get through did you rely a lot on the professionals around you did you just make the deal yourself with her maybe elaborate I was
2: I was very lucky she was a very nice person I'd actually worked with her I'm a social worker and I had used her agency uh, to provide some of the personal care that uh, that we needed and uh, so she was very easy she she knew what she wanted to get there was no bargaining she said this is what I need And I said, okay. (laughs) And, um, I, I, as I said, I had some backing. Um, but the contract was very simple. It was very straightforward. Um, I'm, I'm a believer in simple contracts. Mm -hmm. I know that my son always says the devils are in, the devil is in the details, but, uh, it it was a very amicable changeover. So legally it was not difficult.
1: And when you took over, did you, have kind of your own business plan in place to where you wanted to go next?
2: I didn't have a business plan. I had this theory that people needed to, to get personalized service and the only way to get it would be this case management model where every, every client becomes, it's, it's sort of client centered in the sense that every client becomes a project with a manager who would see to it that all the services are provided.
1: As you look back. Do you think a more formal thought process would have been better? Or you think you know what, you achieved you your heart and soul were in it, you knew the industry, and that was enough. Josh really loves business plans, by the way. <laughs> I, I can tell. I just you know, some people some people, you know, stick their stick their nails and right into it and stick their teeth into it, and others just, you know, I'm a gut person and, and just I'm a gut person.
2: I'm a gut person. I didn't have a business plan. I, I had a vision and i guess i thought that the vision was was the plan and i remember when somebody asked me to write an executive summary um i wrote what my vision was and they said well okay but where's the plan <laughs> <laughs> that was the plan but i learned over years over the t- over time that one had to have a plan um but you know you have to grow into something and you have to really feel it that's what i felt i felt you know i had to be in it get get my hands I don't want to say dirty, but mm-hmm. you know, get my hand get really involved. And then when you do get into it you get you have a much better understanding and then you can make a plan. And I having mean, said th- sorry. No, go yeah. ahead. And having said that, you make a plan and then you change it a hundred times.
0: Uh Danielle Danielle uh, Pollack and Daniel Martz joining us this evening on Today's Entrepreneur from Equinox Life Care. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur with Dan Delmar and Josh Miller. Our guests this evening, uh, Danny Pollack and Daniel Martz of Equinox Life Care.
1: And we're talking about, and you, you know, you were mentioning your service earlier about being every as much as possible to everybody. Now, people don't come to you. You go out to the people, correct?
2: Right. Well, S- that's...
1: So you, I'm sorry. So you really need a lot of support, a lot of big team to make sure you go out and reach as many people as possible.
2: Well, uh, the people who actually reach out are the people who are the managers, um, who go to visit people in their homes and, and do the assessment. But then we have our own caregivers. They're all our own employees and uh, they come to us uh, usually with a certification already as a nurse's aide. or. A nurse uh, licensed practical nurse or registered nurse and then we do our own training and we feel that's very important
1: yeah tra- training must be huge i mean you are you are providing a specific service you have your own vision as you stated earlier um, so does each employee go through training regardless of their certification
2: yes We try very hard and we're just uh, really now finalizing new plans for training. Uh, We've had some funding from Emploi Québec over the years and we've been able to really reach people not so... I mean, training in, in, in things that they have learned but also bringing to them our values and our mission statements so they understand really what the company represents when they go out into the homes because it's not only... Bedside Care, Nursing 101. It's really the TLC, mm-hmm. the way that we deal with people, and they have, especially, you know, we have a lot of of, of people with con, uh, degenerative diseases, you know, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, where there are really mood issues, depression issues, anxiety issues, and this is what we deal with all the time. You know, it's it's really important to to recognize people's pain.
0: And what, what advice do you give to your workers in terms of dealing with a population or a clientele base that that, that is, you know, vulnerable than other demographics?
2: Well, just that. That's why we do our extra training, because it, it requires a lot of sensitivity. And the other thing that's really difficult is that even though they're part of a team, I mean, we're a team in the office and we're always there for them. Our coordinators are always on the phone talking to clients and talking to caregivers. When they're in with a patient or a client, they're alone they're alone at home so it's a lot of well, it's a judgment call sometimes you know they're de- they're dealing with difficult situations and they're going to have to make decisions on the spot um sometimes we have very aggressive patients we have people who are very very ill and it's not an easy job and i'm telling you they are wonderful they really we have very very few people who don't come through and really perform well
3: at the same time, it's it's an interesting exercise to see how to translate those skills to a healthier population. So in our nurse triage service and in the service that we provide to corporations, a lot of the same healthcare skills and people skills are employed, but to a completely different population, different demographic. So it's an interesting exercise to translate the training from one to the other, and also to see how that type of care is provided at a distance. So in that business model, people reach out to us as opposed to us going to them. They'll call us on the phone or they'll reach us through a piece of technology that's in their home or is on their mobile phone. And so it's an interesting exercise to see how to scale that type of a set using technology and using the plain old telephone.
1: Yeah, so human resource is your biggest expense but your biggest asset. And when we come back Absolutely. from the break, we'll explore it a little further.
0: Today's Entrepreneur on CJED 800 with Danny Pollock and Daniel Martz of Equinox Life Care. We're talking about health care, more specifically, Josh, Healthcare that goes uh, into your home with Danny Pollock and Daniel Martz of Equinox Life Care.
1: And we were, of course, talking about human resources, which, as we said earlier, your perhaps biggest expense, but also your biggest asset. You started, Danny, you mentioned you started around 40 people when, when you bought the business. How right. many are you today?
2: We're about, well, uh, at least 200.
1: What? How did you manage the growth in numbers? <laughs> what, did, what did you do that's a little different? What did you learn from that? Did, if, if there was anything you would do differently?
2: Well, it's a constant. What I learned was you, you're hiring, you're recruiting and hiring constantly, and you're maintaining a relationship with the people as much as possible so we do have somebody who does recruiting and and hiring and as I say we do the training and then our coordinators are the people who actually schedule the services and talk to the clients every day and talk to the caregivers and it's really building those relationships I guess you yes. have
1: to create a, some sort of formality to the training the checks I mean I presume each employee when they get hired well that's a, right there's a, a background, check, background check, check there
2: are reference checks um we also make sure that uh, their citizenship papers are in order, that they have CPR, you know, they can't go into homes without CPR, and uh, that they have the basic training that we need. And also that they're the personalities, you know, you've, sometimes you've got to go with your gut. We have our own management system. We designed our own management system, which has a matching part um, where we can, sorry? Algorithm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, so we can try to match up um, caregivers with our clients in terms of their skills, but also their personalities.
1: So you're trying to create a process. What you do, used to do based on feel and gut, you now have, mm-hmm. and as much as, as you want to try and pass down that knowledge to your various coordinators, it's not always so evident. So I guess the processes that you've had to build over the last short while uh, have been necessary
2: well uh, you know that was the learning curve and and the and really our our management program which we have we have one IT consultant he really designed it with me and i think it's taken 15 years to get to the point we are today because you keep realizing that you need to add different characteristics and different different uh, pieces of information that are important.
0: It's very interesting and, and seems like a very sophisticated system. So you input care, you input adjectives for example of, of 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 caregivers and you match that up with the adjectives that you input from Absolutely. your parents. Wow. Okay.
2: So its skills, its education, its its their experience. Uh, we know exactly how many hours people have spent with in in certain types of cases. So you know if somebody is is doing post operative work, we make sure that they have the experience, and they've done as much as possible in that area.
1: The processes that you've had to put in place—I mean—is this something that you really did in a more recent time frame, as you grew greatly, or did you realize from the get-go? You know, what I'm buying this agency—I've got to throw in some formality, some standardization.
2: Well, I had to. It was all pen and paper, pencil and paper. They had a, a dot matrix printer, and it printed <laughs> up very, very slowly, and and so. Um, the RIT consultant, who was a friend of mine, came to me and he said, "You know, let's do it on an Access ba- database," which we did, and we built it very slowly. But I think, you know, very, very—it's ro- very robust now.
1: And it, and it sounds like there's, you know, there's so much work and effort put into it. But there's so many other areas that uh, that we're going to talk about. You know, this technology keep bringing up—we've got to figure <laughs> out where that's going. And certainly, with healthcare, it's a major issue.
0: Marketing and uh, more coming up with uh, Danny Pollock and Daniel Martz of Equinox Life Care on Today's Entrepreneur. 7.35, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, and our guests this evening, Danny Pollock and Daniel Martz of Equinox Life Care. So we're talking about uh, healthcare, Josh, and healthcare that goes into uh, your home.
1: And not only that, but it's a business, and there's entrepreneurs here. And entrepreneurs don't always like to let go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they don't always know when best to let go. However, they do usually have it somewhere in the back of their mind. So I guess the, the the question I have for you, Danny, is: Being in this business now for you know good fifteen years, do you have
2: a succession plan? Well, I do, because I realize that uh, even though I feel I have the energy and I the and the interest, uh, I need to bring in young blood, young energy. And uh, that's one of the reasons that Daniel's with me now. And uh, the succession plan is actually to hand over to younger people.
1: And is she good at handing things (laughs) over, Daniel?
3: She's uh, (laughs) (laughs) there. Put him on the spot. How's that? Exemplary.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You would say no different. But it's actually it's actually very interesting to hear you say that. Say that there is a realization that at some point, if you want what you've built to continue succeed grow and not start slowing down you can't do everything forever no was there a tipping point where you realized that was the case
2: yes um i've been interested in the technology side for about uh, since 2004 actually watching different uh things being developed uh, as hardware as well as software and i realized that if i wanted to get involved which was intellectually very stimulating um i didn't really understand it So I really, I I knew that I had to bring in younger people who would develop that side of the business.
1: Is it, so it's important for you to have the right management team around you? Absolutely. That's that's something I guess you take, takes some time to build and find.
2: And it's difficult and you go through different people because uh, the team has to work well together. Everybody has to pull their weight. And that's, that I, sometimes I feel like I'm an orchestra leader. (laughs) I I have no doubt. Yeah.
1: So a, a little bit slightly lighter but still very important topic marketing. You have all this this ability, there's all this 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 knowledge and you want to have the people going out to service your customers. How do you get the information out there? What did you what did you first do when you when you bought this business?
2: Well, if you really want to know that was the most dis- difficult aspect for me. Um I didn't feel I could do marketing well. I'm I'm not bad speaking one-to-one. I was not good at going out and making speeches. And uh, I really didn't understand how to do marketing. I think it probably took me longer to build up the business because of that. Um, I have used consultants over the years, but somehow...
1: Not necessarily not, successfully. Not
2: very successfully, no. And I think that one of the things that Daniel's brought to the company, and he's been with me now 18 months, starting 18 months ago on marketing, was really, first of all, getting me, <laughs> getting the business, and able to translate it into not just marketing terms, but terms, that today's terms, people can understand and can understand the changes that we're going through.
1: Daniel, has, been, has there been a, a, a marketing media medium that has worked better than others? Like, what what major strategy change did you, I guess, bring to the forefront when you came in?
3: Uh, one thing that um, I focused on at the beginning, as Danny said, was really defining the business and putting it into terms that are structured. So taking a lot of, taking um, some a lot of great thinking and putting it into a, A format that we can communicate through a variety of mediums. So face-to-face, online, and mass media, other mass media channels. So
1: So it was more the content you worked on versus how you get it to people?
3: At the beginning, it was an exercise in content, um, which we're still actually going through. So just one example of that, it took us probably six to eight months to define just some very simple cards that we use to explain what it is that we do, iterating probably a couple hundred times, and then translating those into a format for online, and translating those into a presentation format that we could give in front of large audiences and in front of small audiences. So that was the first step. And the second step was to define an actual channel strategy. So we started doing presentations, um, we got involved with a group called Hacking Health, which is a gathering of technologists, healthcare professionals, and uh, people in business who are who are in healthcare talk about how to um, deploy technology and solve mm-hmm. problems. So presenting at those types of events, and then actually converting it into, for example, pay-per-click campaigns online or display advertising those types of things to actually define what is successful and and measurable. Um, so
1: do do you keep tabs on your competition?
3: Yes. So, it's interesting because we are, as I mentioned earlier on, in three businesses, in the home care business, corporate health, and in technology. So, in the home care business, um, we watch what they're doing online, we watch their price points, we watch their marketing material, we make sure we have differentiated wording to really explain how we're different from a case management perspective and from the way that we train our people and the way that we deploy technology. So always trying to tweak the wording that we use and, mm-hmm. and the channels. And then on the corporate side, it's a completely different exercise. That's a you know, mapping, who is the buyer? Is it an insurer? Is it an employee assistance program? Is it an employer directly? So so
1: it's really, it's a, it's a whole detailed analysis that you, that you try to really follow.
3: Yeah. It's it's an analysis on the content first, then on the channel and then on the actual tactics to communicate to the channels.
1: You, you mentioned before Danny, that you had first used outside consultant and it didn't really click. And I'm going to ask maybe a dangerous question for myself, but have outside consultants really helped you out through your through your business through your career have you had positive or negative feelings with outside consultants
2: um not very not very positive to be honest with you i've had i've had people come to me and you know say they're the best i very often i think consultants
1: you can say (laughs) it go ahead (laughs) They're yeah. full, they're but, full of it. There, it's okay. No,
3: but there are people. I'm not one right now. It's all good. <laughs> no. There are people who are part of the core team and the business who are consultants. That's the thing. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know.
2: You came as a consultant, so no, look. But I don't you're... even mean, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm one, but there are others. Well, no, no, it no. Used to be one. No. <laughs> I Here think. Now has. I, yeah. I think. I think it's very hard. I think to really promote a business, you've got to understand it, and but to understand it, you've got to be in it. You've got to see it, and and that's a lot of consultants come in and they. They have their point of view, which can be very legitimate, but they don't really get what we, in my case, they didn't get what we do. And that was the problem. And
1: the the last question I'll I'll ask just for, as we try to get some short answer before the next break is technology has a huge effect on your business. I'm sure over the years, what's the latest thing that you felt is, was truly important to take your business to the next level?
3: It's about using technology at the point of care to make the experience for the patient, for the healthcare provider, and for the business better. So that goes for the home care business, it goes for the corporate health business, and it's figuring out for the specific case we're talking about, is it a video conferencing system? Is it a remote monitoring system? Is it a uh, an algorithm to figure out your mood? Is it a survey? Whatever it is. And so what we're doing is taking the same approach we take to care to the implementation of technology, which is customizing it for this specific individual and situation. And that we feel is going to help us scale as we move into a, a, you know, a different world, if you will, um, larger patient populations and larger opportunities.
1: And I think, Daniel, we find and we hear that most entrepreneurs, and when, when Daniel is talking about scaling, it's using that technology really to your benefit, seeing how you can take everything you've built and all the content and knowledge and trying to make sure that the technology can really help that business grow. And not everybody can get the right grasp of it, but when you can, it's absolutely amazing. And we
0: will talk more about technology after the break uh, with our IT specialist. 7.49 on today's Entrepreneur. Welcome back. And joining us this evening, Danny Pollock and Daniel Marts of Equinox Life Care. And we'll also talk technology uh, with uh, Kevin Armerman, IT specialist with Florlanda. Welcome back, Kevin. Thank you. And Josh, talking about IT, especially in healthcare.
1: And not only that, but how do, you know, we were talking about technology and getting to your customers is, you know, you have this product, you have this availability to get this information out there, but how readily accessible is it? And, uh, I guess, and it's a, it's a big word, uh, that probably has a lot of meaning, but Kev, uh, you know, talk to us a little bit, bit about accessibility of, you know,
4: apps, software, logging in all that jazz. Well, when people say accessibility in the t- context of computers, uh, usually they immediately think of uh, things like screen zoom to make it a little easier for those that are a little bit uh, with difficult uh, difficult vision or uh, audio prompts or things like this. But uh, when you really think about it it, it, it comes down to every single person that's using a computer or web page or any piece of technology. And uh, the accessibility behind it is is how easily it can be approached and used. And it gets forgotten along the way in all too many cases. So uh, even some of the most popular websites in the world, uh, you take a look at them and you've you got to wonder how they expect people to use them. Um, there's just so much information coming at people and it's so complex and confusing. And especially if you add in some sort of physical disability or a vision problem, you've got to wonder how people are actually able to use these services. And this is where accessibility gets lost along the way.
1: How do you overcome it? And like, can you give us an example of what, works or what's difficult to achieve in somebody that or a way that people got around it?
4: Uh, well, two of the most, probably the most well-known examples, if you compare, say, that the Amazon web page versus the, the Google homepage. Um, Google is stark. There's only one single bar and the and the cursor is there. It's waiting for you to type something or in these, these days even just say something and it'll fill in the blanks for you. Whereas if you look over at Amazon, you'll see there's probably Five or six hundred links just on the front page alone, and uh, it's it's literally a sea of information. So you've got to kind of wade through it, and hope for the best. And honestly, if if you if you are suffering from motion impairments or anything like this, I I don't know how it would be used. Uh, it's quite a challenge. Uh, Daniel,
1: you know, for accessibility, when you're thinking technology out to your customers, are you thinking for them? How easy can they access the
3: information? 100%. So wh- one example of that is uh, we have a technology called VideoCare, where we, it's basically what we call a skin over commercially available technology, like Skype, Vimeo for videos, Pandora for radio, and we actually configure it so it can be accessed by someone with a disability. So instead of having to wade through a mass of information and find that button, it's a huge button that has a picture they can click on that picture, and then if they want to access our nurse or our, our other healthcare professionals, there's a picture of that healthcare professional. They can click it once, make a video call or a voice call, instead of having to log in, figure out where they are in, in their list of contacts, uh, You know, on down the line in terms of the things that you actually take for granted as someone who's able-bodied and interacting with technology. So these are the things that we're thinking about almost on a daily basis as we develop the solutions for that population.
1: Is it easy? Is the technology today, Kevin, I mean, finding the ability or to make things a lot more accessible, is that easier to do today than it was five years ago?
4: 100% yes. So tools such as voice search and other like alternative input methods. So, uh, finding ways to stop using a mouse and and find other ways to communicate with the computer, whether it be by voice or even eye tracking or something like this, it's making it a lot easier for a lot of people to to get access to these systems. So uh, the new uh, voice-based search and and navigation tools that are becoming so popular now and are even built into cell phones, it's it's making it a lot easier for a lot of people.
1: And you bring up cell phones, you bring up smartphones, and I think when we come back from the break, maybe a little bit of accessibility as far as smartphones are concerned, as everybody is using those devices, obviously, more and more, to gain access to many different areas.
0: As well as Danny and Daniel's one piece of advice for Today's Entrepreneur. That's next. Remaining moments of Today's Entrepreneur with our guests, Danny Pollock and Daniel Martz of Equinox Life Care. We're talking about healthcare in your home, as well as Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist with Philo Landau. And how about uh, well, taking that technology into uh, one's home?
1: And we were ending off we're talking about accessibility, of course, with computers, but smartphones, you know, are, of course, out there everywhere, every day, and people are using these devices all the time. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about accessibility and smartphones.
4: Well, the one, the the the, the smartphone that everybody loves to hate, the the Blackberry, the infamous <laughs> Blackberry, uh, it probably has that uh, one differentiator in terms of accessibility that everybody's looking for, and that's the keyboard, right? So, uh, yeah, as much as we're worried that we're seeing the decline of Blackberry they do sort of have the edge in that market and we're hoping that something can sort of step up to fill that gap because a lot of people again as as pretty as the touch screens are uh, they just don't feel the same way and they don't respond the same way when people are trying to type on them so that can can lead to trouble and people moving away from them.
1: And of course there's screen size I mean you were in your Google versus Amazon example if Google has one line that you type in and Amazon is sitting with 500 things how do people have to be very aware of their sites or their giving accessibility to different types of hardware.
4: People have to be aware that the view that they're getting on a mobile device is very filtered they're not seeing the same thing that they might be seeing on on a on a real computer or proper computer um, the 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 companies that are producing these websites are very aware that they have a very small amount of real estate available and they're trying to really focus that view and while they may be looking at it from a marketing or usability uh, perspective, uh, what you got to keep in mind what information you're losing by, by using that smaller screen. So is
1: it, it's more of a design, is it a, a, a front of the picture, a design image in front, or is it a
4: back end? Um, well, it can be either competing or complementary. So in a lot of cases, uh, unfortunately, design trumps out and it's the look of the, that mobile site or even the, the full size site that, that wins out over that accessibility factor. Um, when things really work well together, they, they work hand in hand and the accessibility is a part of the design and it's planned in there.
1: Is that something you, you keep in mind, you know, when you're talking about your, the look of your website and the accessibility,
3: Daniel? 100%. So we have probably 30% of the traffic to our site comes through mobile platforms. So we make a specific effort to figure out exactly how it's going to render on different screen sizes so that we can present the best information depending on the size of the screen. It's critical if you, if you don't take that into account, you can lose eyeballs and you lose traffic and then you lose business
1: no clearly an important concept and accessibility is is absolutely huge when you're talking about getting to your customer online thanks very much for the thought and as we approach our last minute or last 90 seconds we'll turn to uh, Danny and Daniel and ask you what one piece of advice would you give to today's entrepreneur
2: despite all the obstacles don't
3: give up
1: Short, sweet to the point. <laughs> at least you didn't bring out that business plan thing again.
3: <laughs> I would say follow your passion and don't be afraid to wade into areas that are outside of your comfort zone. I think that keeps a lot of people away from entrepreneurship and I would tell them not to let them keep it away.
1: And I, And I would add you know certainly my takeaway in listening to a lot of the stories and, and examples that you give uh, certainly from from Danny's standpoint is go with your gut. You know your business, you know your product and service, the entrepreneur knows it better than anybody else around them, consultants included. Uh, But now we have a business plan. But now you have a business plan. (laughs) There you go. So so your gut is hugely important. It's okay to vet your your feelings and your thoughts with somebody else, but your gut is huge when running your own business. And I, I think that's the takeaway that entrepreneurs really have to pay attention to is your gut can be
0: right. It's okay. Thanks, Josh. And uh, thanks to our guests, Danny Pollock and Daniel Martz of Equinox Life Care. Kevin Ammerman on the IT beat for Florlando. Thanks very much, everyone. And uh, Josh, we'll see you two weeks from now uh, on Monday at 7 p.m. for Today's Entrepreneur. The Exchange is next on CJ80.